ladies, gentlemen, welcome back to First Off, You're Wrong, a podcast by two dudes smart enough to see problems, but too dumb to figure out how to fix them. I am Luke, with me is Jeremiah. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> I try to figure out these new ways to start this show, and I don't know. That I, was, <laughs> can I go home now? I think we're all okay. I want to go home. Anyway, so last week we had what Christians in secular media and someone on Instagram was so gracious to tell us that they say God, that doesn't mean they're Christian. Exactly. I was very thankful for that one. I was. Yeah. That, Good clarification. Just once I said that, I said, Ugh. the whole show, we have to redo the whole entire episode now. So that's what we're doing today. Is yeah, we are for, right. word for word, but just with that disclaimer at the beginning. Hey, uh, hit him with a disclaimer. Oh, speaking of disclaimers. Uh, I want you guys to remember that this podcast is mainly opinion-based. Of course, as Christians, our utmost authority is Scripture, but many of the topics we deal with may not be directly addressed in the Bible, or they may be gray areas in the Christian life. Our goal is to make you come away from listening to this with maybe a new perspective on things or thinking more clearly on things you might not have thought of in the past. With that said, Luke, what are people really wrong about this week people are wrong about church camp Ooh, church camps it is summer a lot of people from our church are going to church camps i remember or have been. i remember when i was a kid i never went to church camp you never went to church camp um no i don't think well i mean there was like a day camp but it was here so, I, didn't, I didn't go off so your your parents just didn't love you yeah they didn't I, apparently they didn't love me okay uh, but yeah. i didn't go off into the woods uh to do whatever they do there so no <laughs> no i just i was the i was at home why was why, <laughs> why was my first thought like that what is it the the george bush camp out in california that oh, oh bohemian grove bohemian grove <laughs> why was that not, my first thought not, we're not talking about bohemian grove and not, like yeah. moloch yeah, we're not talking, <laughs> we're about, talking that. about christian Dude, church, I, church camps. I went down the rabbit hole with that years ago and watched so many youtube videos oh yeah it was great what a what oh, a yeah. fantastic well, it's terrible. Well, yeah. What a fantastic story, though, and very interesting thing that everyone should probably know, but doesn't, obviously. But yeah, anyway, so this week is all about church camps. Like I said, it's summertime. We got kids from our church going to them. I'm sure that a lot of our listeners have their own kids going to them. And I think we're just going to give some thoughts into church camp. Now, we're not going to name any in particular. No. I think my church, when I was a kid, had a particular one, the particular one that we went to. Um, I think it's still open, but I think it's struggling. I'm pretty sure a lot of these church camps, I think struggle nowadays because it's really becoming a kind of an obsolete thing. Not a lot of kids in, I think go to them anymore. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a couple that are more mainstream and what it, it, it is interesting though, like how you have the two distinct categories of like when we're, when we say church camps, obviously we mean not necessarily camps that are attached to churches but just christian camps that churches go to uh and you have the you know you you go off somewhere with a group of people from your church or a group of friends and you spend the night somewhere like in the woods or at the beach that's one kind of church camp and then you have there is one at the beach isn't there yeah Yeah. i care about that yeah see i went to the day camps and the day camp one was a lot of fun but i i I kid you not, I don't ever remember talking about Jesus there. Really? I don't remember talking about God either. I remember it always being about prizes. That was when the, was when the Game Boy Color just Ooh. come out. Big time. And Ooh. I really wanted to win it. Didn't win it. Um, 
but there was a lot of prizes given away. The church had like N64s out where you could, because that was the time. The time, mm-hmm. that was the, the big game system or whatever. They had uh, Super Smash Brothers. They had uh, Mario Kart and stuff out for us to play. We would go with our leaders. They'd have the big day where they have the inflatable, like, um, the inflatable water stuff or whatever, where we'd go and slide down it. And I remember one of my counselors, I don't know why it's stuck in my head forever. They went down so fast that they hit the end, flipped over it, and then went onto the asphalt. And then their back was like completely road rashed. I don't, I just, like, it's I can, stuck I can in me be, ever I can be you one better than that. Okay, go ahead. We had a, a church camp that was a it was a stay overnight camp okay. in the summer but it was attached to our church growing up and that was a great like we i love that camp we go into it all the time or every summer but they had an inflatable water slide and the missionary that came out to speak for the uh the camp that year his son went down the slide and he was getting off and someone like a teenager went down the slide right after him and broke his femur Oh, yeah. dude. Had, oh, had to get fine. his leg amputated. What? Yeah. Because it was Guam, and they took him to the, memori- the the GMH out there, which is like the memorial hospital out there. And the doctor that was there, turns out he had like his medical license revoked. And This came to is Guam. a real story. Yes. yes. I can <laughs> I can show you the, the family I... afterwards. Terrible story. But had that to... That is so bad. And the doctor was just like, oh, yeah, let's do it. And ba- basically did it without any parental approval. Like, just removed the kid's leg for no reason. And then just, yeah. Yeah, because he, he, he broke... And to my knowledge, the femur break... Every femur break is bad, but this one wasn't as bad. Because he was a 10-year-old boy. And it was Why? just supposed to be okay. like a... All right, next time that I tell a story and you say I can one-up it, I think we should... I, I can almost just, always one-up an injury I think, story. I think we'll just let it go next time. Yeah, okay? you can I edit don't. this part out if you no, want. No, I'm not going to edit I mean, it hurts me. Um, I've done the leg injury thing, and Ooh. it hurts. Have, I mean, you, I, have I'm, you broken your leg? Not the femur. I did tibia and fibula. Oh. Um and I did in baseball. I was sliding to home, and my cleat caught, and then my leg twisted around till it snapped both bones. Oh, that, was it like a spiral? Uh, yeah. Well, then, no. then I then I lifted up the leg, and then my foot went woo right back into position, and I just let it land it on the ground. <laughs> did it make the noise like a like the uh, three That's what I, I remember it in my head how it was, but it was the most. And everyone's like, oh, then you passed out. And I was like, no, I, I was there for the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was present. It wasn't fun. But the, I, they didn't amputate my leg, which that is the most awful story I've ever heard, I think, at this point in my life. And that's what church camp is. So yeah, don't send your kids. Never go no. to church camp. That's <laughs> yeah, what's wrong I'm with it. Okay? I'm kidding. I'm that's kidding. how you're wrong. But, but yeah, like, like I said, we had a church camp growing up that was directly attached to our church when we went there. And then we had... Another one growing up that was like a day camp that we would go to, and that one was like out in the boonies, and we would we would spend the day out in the jungle, pretty much with some people, and it was it was a lot of fun. Like there were always a lot of there were a lot of kids that went to that one. But with your day camp one, there's a lot of actual teaching and stuff there. Yeah, yeah. Like we had a we had a morning devotional, Mm -hmm. and then we had an afternoon missionary story. Oh, and so. Like after uh, before lunch, we would have a act, we would have the morning devotional, and then we would have like a game that was everyone involved, and then we'd do something else. I can't remember what. Then we'd have lunch, go 
and break off into like our separate, they didn't call them cabins or they, they called them like, you, you know, your groups, your class or whatever. Yeah. And you'd break off with them and go do your own thing for the afternoon. And they always had some element of it where it was like, okay, now we're going to be learning about the different, you know, the nature stuff around here. Okay. And then you're going to rotate from there to your missionary story. And then you're going to rotate from the missionary story to something else. And there was an emphasis on that. And that was just on the the leaders of the camp that, mm-hmm. you know, they were really adamant that that was something that, you know, that this the priority of the, the day camp was teaching. I got you. And with that one, uh, uh, of all the teaching and everything that I've encountered in church camps, that one was probably the best setup because it caught the kids right at the beginning of the day. Kids are awake. They're alert. They understand what's going on, and it was very much a, okay, we're learning about the fruit of the Spirit or right. something like that. And it was very much building a foundation for the kids, not yelling at the kids to repent for five days straight. Right. And, you know, we'll, we'll, that's kind of the point of this episode is talking about how a lot of these camps... The, Don't spoil it yet. I haven't even told you about my day camp. Okay, fine. The then you talk about your it's day camp. Taking then. away everything. Talk about your day Spoiler camp. Spoiler alerts, folks. Guys, talk about it. Whatever Jeremiah just said, I'm going to edit it all out anyway. So okay. What, well, what what was your day camp? So my day camp was like really Luke? cool because they had like a little like outpost thing, and you could go up and surge was the thing. And my parents said, Luke, you can't buy surge. And I remember watching all the other kids get drink it, and I was like, all I want to do is drink surge now. I, but I obeyed my parents, and I um, didn't have it. And those kids, who knows where they are now? They're all drug addicts. They're, <laughs> there's so much caffeine in that. But okay, there wasn't, I, like I said, I don't remember a lot of teaching like at all. I'm sure there was. Yeah. I was really young. I think when I went there, I was probably in like first and second grade, I think is when I went. Okay. I remember it. Okay, but so I you don't were remember, really young. But I don't remember any Jesus I just knew it was called. I can't say what I don't want to tell what it's called. Doesn't matter. It's not even a thing anymore. It's a really for the fun part of it. It was almost like a secular camp, but it was run, almost like Christians and secular media. It was like Christians running a secular camp. Yeah. So because, like I said, we we did. You had all kinds of stuff. You had the video game stuff. You had like fun games. You know, you had all the inflatable days with all the 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 what's it called the water toys. Yep. Yeah, okay. Shut up. <laughs> And then you have the uh, the California chariots. You know what that is? Is that the little handcart? No, like no okay. You hold- so it's like a bike in the front, and then you stand, and then it comes down to like, and you stand on it, where it's kind of like a scooter, but you both your feet are on it, and it's called a California chariot. And I'll never forget it because they had them there, and I loved them. They were so much fun to drive. Do you like around the- have to wiggle your no, hips you like you like you like uh, you kind of like you like a skateboard. You just keep you, you kind of pump. And so you it's get- a scooter. It's a scooter with a bicycle wheel in the front, and it was amazing. Okay. So it's a really dumb okay, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, well, it is California chariots. Ah, uh, uh, you know. Uh, anyway, um, but there was, like I said, not a lot of teaching, and I never went to the ch- when we went and we changed churches. Um, I never went to the church camp that our church was really affiliated with. We had a lot of people that went and worked there. We had people that would like move like and actually go and be a part of that camp and i think the camp is still around but i never went my dad of all people who doesn't like he will not leave the city because he wants to work 
he even went one weekend with my sisters to it. And I'm the only person my entire family has never stepped foot on that property. I have no clue what it looks like. N- nothing. So nice. I, I, I've never been there. But apparently it's really nice. Um, and, and I think that's more of the traditional like overnight uh, go out and, yeah. and stay a week or whatever at this church camp type of thing. And I, yeah. like I said, I never experienced it. And I never experienced any other kind of church camp except for the one, like I said, that didn't really give me any kind of teaching. Yeah. Yeah. And I, besides that day camp, I did, I've gone to, like I said, the one where the, the missionary kid was there. Uh, that was a overnight camp. Please stop talking about that. I'm trying not to. And that was an overnight camp. And every other year it was great. There weren't really many injuries. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and my that, leg is hurting. That was, I'm I just want to say that. I'm sorry. But the, uh, the, the camp, was on the church property and we would go off okay so when the so yeah and this is in guam yeah it was on okay. guam and we had a we it was a church and a school and the school was a large school so they could accommodate and so they could there. accommodate yeah so we okay. had there were locker and this, rooms and, and this was the overnight one this is yeah. the okay, gotcha. yeah yeah so we we'd spend the night and like we had sleeping bags on the floor in some of the classrooms oh, that's sick and so we just fun. go to the, it was honestly pretty fun because yeah. you had your cabin and you were basically in a school building just like hanging out and then you'd go uh you know they had locker rooms so you'd shower in the locker rooms and it was great because everything was right there and we'd stay on uh campus you know throughout the days and everything we could go to the gym for like free time and stuff or we could go there were some outside outside basketball courts there was soccer field stuff like that so we had plenty of stuff to do to occupy our time and we could just go into like one of the chapel rooms for the services because it was all right there and if we want, if like we went to the beach a couple times during the week, like two or three times, and when we would go, we just get on one of the church buses and they bus everyone out to the beach. Oh, that's nice. So it was all really convenient and really nice. And then I've gone to one, one summer here, in the in the states. That's a a big nice camp, uh, and it's set up a similar way to where everything's on camp on a singular campus right. but this was you had actual cabins you had uh auditorium you had tons of stuff that you needed all the food was provided there you just basically go and you stay on one location throughout the whole week must be fun it is fun too bad i never got to go yeah <laughs> anyway well, you can go now it'd just be weird <laughs> Hey guys, uh, I'm here for the howdy week. do, fellow kids? <laughs> I guess I'll be Bunky here. I call Top Bunk, and anyone that wants to try to take it from me, <laughs> punting fourteen-year-old kids <laughs> off the top bunk—they're all mine. So, in research for this episode, I talked to someone from our church uh, that goes to camps on the in the summers, and I said, I asked him, I said. What would be your number one thing that I said it's not like you you hate about a camp, but like concerns you about a camp? What would you not? What don't you like? Like what is something you see? And I'm not saying like the food, yeah, or um, there's not enough girls there or something like that. I was like, what is like something that you look at as a Christian and you it kind of hits you the wrong way? And the only thing that he told me was he said it it feels a little pressured to make decisions mm-hmm. that's the biggest problem he saw 
Now, and then looking up what other people's commentary would be on church camps as well, that was one of the number one like problems that people see with sending kids to church camps is the pressure to make decisions. And it's not just the pressure of decisions of like, uh, I'm going to be a Christian or not. It's other things like when back in, you know, 2012 or whatever, it was the Joshua generation was the thing. Um, I've told Jeremiah the story. I love of, this story. You got to tell it. Oh, I got to tell it. Okay, yeah. let's go with it then. So I went to, con- it wasn't a church camp, but it was like a D like now. Like a tent meeting? Yeah, I guess it was like it was they did it over like three nights, but they didn't it was just kind of a night thing. But they would be for like the youth group kind of thing for uh high schoolers. And it was a bunch of Cumberland Presbyterians and you know, I I didn't look into it at all. But I went and um because I was dating a girl at the time. And we get there and they do a very convicting kind of sermon or whatever, and, um, you know, it's very, kind of gets really emotional, extremely emotional, not not a little bit, like very extremely emotional, and then they, um, they all, they, they start talking about praying, like they're gonna, we're all gonna pray, so I'm like, okay, absolutely, I agree with that, we're good, but we're all very emotional, I mean, I'm not, I'm more of observing this than I am participating, I suppose, and so then everyone, you know, people start crying, and praying that's not a problem absolutely not um some people get down on their faces like laying face down on the floor again i'm not i guess i i was raised baptist as non-denominational but baptist with extra steps yeah there you go so like i'm not used to seeing stuff like that but i was like you know again i'm just observing i'm not i'm not here to do any kind of whatever doesn't matter i'm just here just an observer and um you know people are praying and then one lady goes ah! and and um and i just look over like what is going on over there i've been to charismatic churches too um observing because some of my friends went to that i observed a lot of things so um and that kind of reminded me of a little bit of that and then the the speaker up at the front um i even remember his name still it's crazy but he goes Guys, we all need to stop. Go over there and put hands on this woman and pray for her. And I was like, okay. So I stay back and I observe still. Um, I have no problem with power of prayer. Absolutely not. Um, And so she's sobbing, screaming, crying, whatever. And the kids all kind of look scared. They're putting their hands, you know, on her and praying. And and that was fine. And then, um, so that all ended, all right? Then we get to the end of the whole thing. And... um, and someone and the the guy who's leading it goes, "All right, guys, you know we've talked about the Joshua generation, and you know you guys got to step up in your schools, and you got to lead the lead, you know everyone to Christ, and you got to be the example." And he said, "If you're going to be part of the Joshua generation, I want you to come up on stage." So everyone goes up on stage, except me, and one other kid, who I I don't know what his deal was, but he was like probably 14. I think I was like. 20 or no i was 18 or 19 at the time and i just kind of look over at him and he looks at me and then he just does this really weird wave at me and i'm just like look at him and i just look back at the front my my girlfriend is up at the front you know on the front and everyone's just staring down at me and then of course at the end then everyone went up to her and said um is luke saved is 
is he safe? I had to deal with a lot of stuff after that because I wouldn't go up on stage to be part of the Joshua generation. Which to me, again, it kind of goes to like what um, my specimen that I asked the question to in the beginning of this rant um, told me. The pressure to make decisions. Come up on stage. Are you going to be a part of this movement? Um, whatever the movement might yeah. be. Um, are you going to accept Jesus into your heart? Are you going to stop sinning? You know, that kind of stuff where, yeah, is it good to like point these things out? Like, hey, these are wrong and we need to stop doing them. Absolutely, we need to do that. But is it too much pressure? And is it too much over a five-day period, like you kind of alluded to at the beginning, with we're going to just bombard you with you're going to you mm-hmm. you have to address this right now yeah it it's a very similar thing with camps and you know i'm not attributing malice to anyone right in this situation Absolutely. i'm not because no. the 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 amount of the amount of good that these people are doing and the work for christ that they are doing at at the camps i went to is beyond what what is even possible to think about it, they, they do great work and i'm not in any way attributing any ill will i want to make that very clear that i'm not coming after specific people i'm not i'm not coming after anyone or even a, a general idea but as christians we have to be observant of things and unintentional trends should be resolved if they are bad right if, if they, if they yes. aren't if something is going a different way than originally anticipated we need to observe it and we need to say what is this doing why is this doing it and should we fix it and if so how can we fix it and the trend is what you're talking about heavy emphasis on decision heavy emphasis on uh you know you have to do something right now so in my experience, a lot of the camps is two to three messages a day for, mm-hmm. you know, an hour each. And you have your private study time. You have your private prayer time. You have your cabin study and prayer time as well. So let's say each day is five hours maybe of, well, we'll go with four to five hours of uh sitting in a study or a class or a sermon, basically a church service. You have worship at the beginning, you have prayer, someone leading in prayer, and then you have a message and then closing in prayer. So it's set up, a lot of it is set up essentially like a church service. That's not bad. That, that is a good thing. However, when you have a bunch of teens who in between those times are constantly moving, we are, or the, the teens would be going and playing a, a strenuous game, right? You, big ball volleyball. You'd be playing something like that. You'd be going and playing football with your friends, tetherball volleyball with your friends. You'd be going uh, swimming, going on a hike. You'd be running around doing this, that, and the other because there's so much stuff to do. We want to do it all. We're having fun playing basketball. Let's go. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Hey, uh, there's, you know, a craft table. Let's go do X, Y, or Z. Oh, man, I'm, I'm starting to get tired. Oh, let's just go, go grab a coffee before the next thing. And then you go and you sit back down. Have coffee there? Yeah. That's some of them. That's they have like so a little nice. coffee shop. Yeah. Yeah. It was, oh, it's great. It's amazing. I didn't go to church. And there. like, then you're going and you're 
you know, you're hanging out with these, you have your cabin and you're encouraged to like hang out with those people in your cabin. So you're starting to get to know these people more. And all throughout the week, you're going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. And you're tired and you have to stay awake during the services because you want to be respectful. You can't fall asleep in the middle of a church service. So by Thursday afternoon, it is... You're like dead. You're you're dead. You're very, very (laughs) tired. And you're very... We just came off of VBS. And by Wednesday, I was dying. Because they have me outside sweating for these children. They say, Luke, you have to make them have fun. So I'm out there with my boy Brad... And I, Bart was there too, and so was Anthony. But anyway, so but, but, but my boy Brad, he and I are out there sweating to get these kids having fun. And I'm on, on Wednesday. I was like, I looked at Laurel, and I was like, I, I don't, I don't know if I can if I can keep going. Like I'm like I'm like sore. I'm tired. I'm like I just gotta go. I don't know. I was drink, I was chugging monsters before I'm getting there to get all hyped. No, I'm joking. But you know, I find yeah, somebody I would with like. It was just VBS was rough. <laughs> but going but back to the, so the Thursday, to the thing, yeah. you know, you get to Thursday, you're tired yeah. and you've been tired all week and you're sleeping in a strange place. So that doesn't help. And you know, you're with people you don't know and you're just starting to get to know them. You're waking starting to get up more early. comfortable. You're waking up early, going to bed late, uh, all those sorts of things. And so when you're in that state and when you're in that mental state, it's easy to be suggested into doing something or to be convinced of something, right? Mm-hmm. So it if in most camps, the last night is usually the most intense because of course this is the last time that some people might never hear the gospel again, right? Some people might yeah, unsaved I actually, people. I asked my specimen, I asked yeah. him as well, I said, are there a lot of unbelievers that come? And he's like, oh yeah, there's a lot of them. And I, was, mm-hmm. I actually was kind of taken aback by that. I was, cause, and I think church camp, I think more just Christians already, yeah. already Christians. But you, the, the, the big draw with the one that I went to especially was you get basically a week vacation up in a really fun spot and it's not that expensive. Mm-hmm. Like it, 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 for what you're getting and what is happening, you're not paying that much. So... You have a lot of people who might not be Christians, who are unsaved. You might have a lot of people who've been going to church their whole life who aren't saved as well, right? Just because you're a teen in the youth group doesn't mean that you are saved. So the last night, they tend to go heavy on the gospel and repentance and making a profession of faith, making a decision. They also tend to go on, if you have unconfessed sin, you need to go out and you need to confess it. You need to say this, that, and the other. And... You need to go, you know, if, if you have been away from the Lord, you need to recommit your life to Christ. And so they're giving, they're hitting you with all these things. So it's like, I, okay, I know I'm saved or I believe I'm saved, but now this person is saying I need to recommit my life to Christ. Man, I, 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 I do need to recommit my life to Christ because I, I lied to my mom and dad before I left. Oh man. Oh, well, I need to do it because that, and it, it it's putting teens in a position to where they need to do something they don't necessarily need to do. Right, because even at 15, 14, 18, I mean, you're you're immature yeah. as a believer. Yeah. I'm, I'm 31 and I'm immature as a believer. Yeah. I'm 100% in. I'm and, probably like an 18-year-old at this point. But I mean, like it's so you're putting all that pressure on someone that 
doesn't isn't sitting there confidently potentially isn't confident yeah. as much as someone who is in their 30s or 40s and has you know gone through this is like no I know where I stand yeah and I I had a moment where when I was in that last night and we're sitting there and we're talking about all this stuff going on and they they bring up hey you know you have some uh if you have some unconfessed sin, you need to do this. And I forget what it was, but there was something going on in my life at that point where I was just like, I need to tell someone about this. And it w- it wasn't really that big of a deal. It wasn't really a, this is something that you is going to alter my state salvation. Right. Yeah. I wasn't embe- embezzling from, from Enron some, or anything you know, like that. Oil tycoon. Yeah. But he had a lot of money. He so did. it's not that yeah. big a deal. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wanted Taco Bell. And now you talk to my parents about this. So so it was something like that. But he the the minister was going very hard into if you have anything that's unconfessed, you can go outside and you can talk to one of the counselors. So I, I was 17 and everyone around me is crying because now all these people are feeling like I have, you know, I, I, am I saved? Am I a Christian? And all this stuff that's happening to these people around me, they're crying. My friends are all crying. I look around, everyone's crying. It's emotional. And I feel this weight. And for some reason, I stood up and I walked outside. Right. And I went and I sat down. A 20-something-year-old uh, counselor who was there for the summer came up to me and was like, Hey, how, how how's it going? I'm like, Oh, well, you know, I have this going on in my life. And I was I was crying because everything's emotional and I'm right. tired and and I, I just need to tell someone and I need to confess and so he he sat there and he prayed with me and then before he got up and left an older man came up and he the the younger counselor hands the older man a piece of paper and what I didn't realize is the younger man was writing down notes on what I was saying and what I had done and. The, the younger counselor signed the piece of paper, handed it to the older man. And the older man asked me, what, what's your mom and dad's name? And I'm like, oh, it's so-and-so and so-and-so. Okay, well, uh, what, what are their phone numbers? And I was a little sketched out at that point, so I, I lied and I gave them fake phone numbers. Jeremiah. I did, I did. And I was like, which, okay, yeah, sure. I, I'm sorry I did that, but th- this- Apology older, accepted. Older, thank you, look, I appreciate that. This older man then looks at me and says, okay, well, um, we'll, we'll give your parents a phone call uh, this time next week and see if you told them about what we said, what we uh, talked about tonight. Nikes, okay. And so I was just confused. Okay, let's, let's pause right there. How do you... This is, I feel like I'm a therapist right now. How do you feel about that? I feel terrible how about did, that. How, how did you like? Or no, right now, looking back at that, looking back, how at do you it. how do you look at that situation now? With the I'm gonna call your parents in a week. What would what do you what do you go through your thoughts with that? Tattletale, snitch. No, <laughs> wait, oh, Cheeto is in here. Hi, cat. It's a, your cat just came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I don't know what's going on with that. So but just let him be. no, I feel I, I I look back on that. And to me, that, especially when I was going through that, that time in my life, I've mentioned it a couple times here, where I was, I was not heavily invested in the Lord. I was, I was away from the Lord. I, was, I wouldn't say I was deconstructing. You know, I might even say I was deconstructing, to use a button, mm-hmm. hot button term. Yeah. It was a few, few years ago, and I just felt everything was off. And I look back on that, and I was like, this is just 
this is just a way to keep people, uh, you know, doing, you know, doing what they're supposed to do and to, to tie them down to moralism. Right. Right. That was, that was my view on what happened. And, you know, I, I, I came out of that. Thank, thank the Lord that I did not continue down the path I was going on. I was corrected harshly and I've thankfully been good doing what I'm supposed to. But in that time, and even now looking back on it, I, I, I don't see the, the point in having a counselor who's supposed to be there helping an individual, yes, a, a minor, yes, a teenager, through something. Why, why does he need to call your parents? What, what is going on? And then what if it was a person who is unsaved, right? Are they going to call their parents? parents and say oh well yeah so and so did this you know what what good is it going to do for a counselor to call an unsafe parent and say hey your uh your son said he cheated on his english homework i mean i would guess that they would just think that unbelieving kids probably won't want to call their parents this is kind of a hard area to decipher because on one hand i'm i think Okay, accountability for the kid that did something wrong. At least yeah. he's confessing it, accountability for it, and we're we're gonna hold you accountable. And on the other hand, then I'm thinking, are you overstepping as an outsider? I mean, I know that like I am there for a week at your camp. So, you know, for all intents and purposes, if you're a counselor, you know, you're pretty close to your counselors, I would assume. And is that a little bit overstepping your bounds as a counselor, as someone who's supposed to, you know, maybe maybe this believing kid just needed someone to hear him like, hey, I did this, I feel wrong. Yeah. And then that counselor goes, hey, the next step is you need to tell who the person you wronged that you did this, that you're sorry, you need to go to God, you need to repent of this and leave it at that. I mean, I know we're taking a step further of accountability of like, and now we're going to call your parents. But like, I, I mean, as you, you were joking, but it kind of does seem at the beginning like that's kind of a tattletale thing. Yeah. And, you know, that, that was a, a bit of a joke. But it is, it, 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 again, I'm not attributing ill intent because I see where they're coming right, from. Right. That's what I'm saying is I, I, I can't sit here and just go, that's absolutely absurd. How dare they? Because I can see what they're trying to do. I completely understand that thought process mm-hmm. because let's say I caught one of the teens at, this is a hypothetical, this did not happen. <laughs> one of the teens at our church, let's say I saw them doing something they weren't supposed to. Right. And I were to walk up to them and say, hey, uh, if you don't tell your dad what you did, then I'm going to call in a week and make sure he knows. That would be kind of overstepping my bound mm-hmm. a little bit. But also I could see it said, well, no, you're, all, you're both members of that church. You are an elder, in, or not an elder, but you are older than that person in that church. You are in a position of authority over that teenager in the church. So maybe that's a little more understandable. Right. But someone who is not associated with the local church, they are an employee of a camp in a different state. I don't know. I... It's hard to just give a blanket statement on things. And I'm very good at blanket statements. But that one is a, is a bigger issue of 
I guess it comes down to the parents. Oh like, yeah. Do you think that having the accountability? I mean, are the parents told that this will happen, or are the parents just kind of like they'll get a call next week? My parents were not informed. Well, yeah, I was saying their parents weren't informed about it. Well, they weren't. They, I mean, there was no like beforehand knowledge of hey, if your son winds up confessing something at camp, we're going to get right. That's what I was asking. So I no, mean, there was none of that because I think some parents would be like, well, I want to. I do want to hear that. I do want to know if there's something that they're doing. Like I would. I would want, I'd want, I'd want them to come and confess it to me, but also, I mean, I'm raising two little kids in here, and I would rather raise them where, instead of having to be forced at church camp to address me about it, that they'd already come to me and address me about it. So yeah. to me, that almost seems again like a parent problem. And but then again, you're telling the parent. Like I said, this, it's, is, it's this very, is such a it's ridiculous a very, thing to unpack. I very, very nuanced and difficult topic, right? And I, I, I do have a fix for this specific instance. Hey, do you want me to tell someone else who is with you? Do you want someone else who's with you to come out and we can both talk about, we can all talk about it. One of the people who's at your church, maybe your youth pastor who came with you or your sponsor who came with you. Mm-hmm. Do you want us to sit down and we can talk about this and we can figure out where to go from here? That actually, that's really, a, I think, a very mature response to it because, again, it brings the kid. Are you going to take accountability for it? Because the kid does need to make the decision at some point. I think maybe that's where my mind goes is the the kid, the teenager, whatever age, at some point they need to learn, hey, I have to take accountability on my own. Like I know that accountability partners are out there. We do that kind of stuff. It's sometimes it comes to a point in your life where it's I have to start confessing the things I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I need to start telling the people I'm doing them to that I'm sorry and stopping it. And then I need to go to my God and repent of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think maybe the the forcing part of it isn't good. And maybe a better teaching thing is to teach them, hey. You can do this on your own. You don't have to have us forcing you to do it. But again, like you said, like we can go to someone you actually do know, someone that you actually came with that someone you're in close relationship to. That can help you with kind of going to the next step. Because we all know what the next step is, but again, that's a nice way of putting it. And as as a as a minor, as someone who is living under your parents' household, if you do have something like that happen, then you are responsible to confess it to your parents as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not suitable to confess it to someone outside of the home. You have to confess it to your first authority, right. which is your parents. And so and as it, it's it is a nuanced issue this this specific instance and it is so easy to look at that and say Wow, they just wanted to enforce legalism and they just cared more about moralism than my actual soul. Right? That that's an easy thing to say. The correct thing to say though is they have so many teens who come here who are going through terrible horrible situations and what if I had walked up to them and said, "I've been doing cocaine at school." Right. Well, if you're the counselor, okay. if if you're the counselor, yeah, let's call your parents right now because this is something that has to be handled. Yeah, immediately. we're not gonna like hide. This isn't like no. the 1960s. <laughs> like we'll just hide it all. It's yeah, fine. no, no. You that's something that has to be. So, of course, you'd want to tell your parents. But right. if it's 
I think I, I can't remember what I was, I had to have been like, I can't remember what I was doing. I honestly you know, can't remember what I was doing. A year ago you told me what it was, and I can't, I don't remember for the life of me what it was, but it wasn't egregious. I mean, still it was a sin. Yes. Yeah, it was sinful. It and I'm sure my yes. parents found out about it because I'm terrible at hiding things. But <laughs> That's good. But the, uh, the, 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 the problem is still there with, is it a wise move to put a atmosphere of fear around that confession? And what if I had gone, what if, you know, that was the only time I could go. I was a senior in high school. What if I wasn't and I had gone back the next year and I had something bigger that was going on in my mm-hmm. life and now I know, oh, if I go talk to one of the counselors, they're just going to call my parents about it. So I'm so not going to say anything. With something like that, though, was it kind of normalized, though? Like most of the kids didn't really kind of bat an eye at it because like you have that, you know, the sphere of the camp. You know, everyone is there for church camp. Yeah. So it's like it's it's easy to just kind of be in it for you know, the the lessons they're teaching, you know, like that thing where I said with the Joshua generation, we're all yeah. in this room for three nights. So we're all on the same page, except Luke and that kid that were sitting in the crowd waving at each other. Um, but that sphere over the camp where it's kind of like, this is normal. This is what we're going to do. Um, the that the church maybe- aspect was, this is, this is the standard. This is what mm-hmm. we're doing. There's no question about it. This is what's going to happen. And... The uh, preaching the gospel was the standard. That's what they were going to do. There were no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The final night is also what is expected of a church camp in most cases. And it's kind of like a revival Yeah, it's, it's a call to repentance or a call to recommit your life to Christ. Or maybe you're ignoring God's call in your life. That before I went to this one in the States, the one that we went to on Guam, I, for some reason one night, because everyone else was doing it, they were admitting the call of God in their life. So I said, I want to be a missionary. I had no intention of being a missionary. It's just everyone else was saying something. So now I have to say something and make a decision. Otherwise, I'm the weird one. Right? Right. And that was a normal, that, that was a, that was, that was a normal thing to, oh, I'm going to rededicate my life to Christ. And, you know, you're reading your Bible every day when you're at church camp, and then you get home, and then... Yeah, that's where I'm going with that sphere thing. Yeah. Because you have the... First, you have the pressure, and it's peer pressure. It's pressure from the place to... to I'm going to recommit my life. I'm going to believe now. I never believe. Now I believe. Um, I'm holding a... Or I got a book. J.D. What is this? Greer? J.D. Greer. Yeah. I don't know why I couldn't pronounce it. My cousin gave this Too to me. Too many vowels in there. He gave this to me like, I want to say, it was less than 10 years ago. And it's Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart. And I think it's kind of, a, it's, it's a very good book because I was having that issue, I think, when I was probably about, I mean, it was I was in my 20s when I was having like, like my early 20s when I was having that issue of just being like, am I, am I actually saved? Am I actually saved? I'm thinking something that's perpetuated sometimes at these camps. At least what I've seen at like the places, the things that I've gone to. I like I said, I've never been to the church camps and stuff, so I can't speak to personal stuff. Um, like I said, I have my specimen. I ask questions. He gives me answers, and the answers were pretty much lots of pressure, which you know he didn't really like. And then the other thing was the sphere of of the Bible church camp, where it was it's easy to read your Bible every day there. Mm-hmm. It's easy. 
to live for Christ there. Because and then you think, oh yeah, I'm definitely gonna do this. And you got this, everyone's like, Yeah, I'm going home and I'm gonna I'm gonna build a church and yeah. I'm 14. And then you get home and your your buddy's like, Hey, you wanna play Call of Duty? And you're like, Yeah, and then you get on there and start cursing again and start screaming obscenities and whatever, and then you just you start lying again or you start watching stuff on the computer you're not supposed to be watching. I mean, it just because you don't have that sphere anymore. Yeah. And that was another thing that he pointed out to me that he was saying that was something that it wasn't like, I don't like that. Yeah. Like, how dare they have a sphere of goodness around the camp where we are all doing what's right. Um, but it's maybe they don't prepare the kids enough for when, hey, when you leave here, it's going to suck. Like it's yeah. going to be awful. Like it going, I and mean, we're told we're going to be persecuted. And, and, but the kids there, they're like, this is great. This is fun. This is what we love to do. And when we go home, it's not going to be different. Yeah. But you're not going to have your buddy Johnny next to you, you know, screaming, sweep the leg, you know, <laughs> like, or, sorry, it's the other guy, sweep the leg, Johnny. But anyway, you know what I mean? You're not going to have him next to you, you know, calling it out for you because now you're in the world alone again. Yeah. You don't have the counselors. You don't have the camp. You're not, your, your life's not regimented around Christ. You have to regiment it around yeah. Christ. And that's, that's really what, what it is. You know, the only example I have in my mind about that is when I went through basic training and like all my other training for the army, when you're there, you're fresh into the army and you think, oh, this is going to be the most difficult thing. And the first day you're there, they say, they basically tell you, welcome to the easiest part of your career. Uh And you go through basic training and it's difficult. You're working out two to three times a day. You know, I wasn't a physically active person before then. I could barely run a mile. The pictures of you are hilarious. Laura Ellen's gone back and looked at all of them. Oh, of course. (laughs) But, you know, I was not a physically active person. I worked in an ice cream shop. Uh, (laughs) Nice. And then... I get there and, you know, we're doing all this work. We have a lot of reading we have to do. We have a lot of studying we have to do. We have to learn about the radios, the weapon system, everything. We have to learn all this stuff all this time. And we're constantly moving and we constantly have this sphere of influence. And we're thinking, this is so different than what we're used to. This is difficult. This is difficult. But the whole time we're being told and yelled at and said, this is the easiest thing you'll ever have to do. And then we go to our next training where we're learning how to do all the stuff that we do for our job. And then we're told, hey, this is the next easy, this is the easiest thing you have to do now. And we're thinking, oh, this is not easy. We're having a difficult time here. How is this easy? And then, you know, we get home and the second you get back home and you start to relax, you start to let yourself go and you decide three weeks out of basic training in your AIT, you're like, hey, you know, I should probably go, you know, I should go do some physical training or something. And you realize, wow, I didn't work out for three weeks because I thought I'd just give myself a break. And now I can't do a, like as many push-ups as I used to do. Can't do pulls. Can't do I can't whatever. Do, I can't, wow, what is going on? You got lazy because you got back in a position where you were comfortable. Yeah, you spent seven, eight, nine months a year away. But as soon as you get back home, all that training gets out the window because you get comfortable again. And that being told like hey camp is different than real life that's not something that a lot of people tell their teens going to camp they don't get told hey when you're there don't get discouraged when you come back right because you're going to be there and you're going to be working and you're going to be doing you know you're going to be having fun but you're also going to have the time to study the word and study the scripture and talk to other people about jesus because all these people are supposedly christians too or a majority of them are supposedly christians too 
you have time you you have you know time set aside structured into a daily agenda for god and i time for camp cabin devotions right then you get back home and maybe you're working a summer job or you're doing you're going right back into school and now that time that you had set aside is not there so you start to get lazy yeah, and there's no, there's no regimentation for it. Yeah. Is that a word? Doesn't we'll go matter. with it. That's a bush. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, I was actually listening to a Spurgeon a sermon like yesterday, and it talked about like, or he was talking about reading the Bible and how we, you know, we sit here and how egregious it is for someone to say, I don't have time for this. Mm-hmm. When you look at all the other things you're doing that mean nothing. Exactly. In this, in this, you know, and I know everyone, well, everyone says it, but I mean, come on, listen to Spurgeon. He's pretty good. Um, but it comes down to they come home and their kids, they, they don't have, the, the parents aren't there being like, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to force you at a gunpoint to read the Bible, but we should read the Bible. But why don't we read yeah. it as a family? Yeah. Why don't we reg- put this into our schedule for each day? And like, let's lead as parents to continue this. We don't have to run a church camp at our house. Like, that'd be great. But we can at least sit down and with our kids and say, let's read the Bible. Yeah. Like, I read the Bible with my one and a half year old. And of course, you know, she doesn't care. She just wants to rip the pages out and uh, and go play with her toy that bring me Charlie Brown books in front of it. And so I'm like, okay, whatever. But, you know, I'm still... You know, when she gets older and when my son gets older, like, we're going to sit down as a family. We're going to read. Like, I want them to be mm-hmm. a part of that. And these church camps, again, it's great. They go there. They get like this. It's like a shot, straight shot of Jesus into yeah. your veins. But then you come home and it starts to fade off. One week out, maybe you maybe you read a little less. Two weeks out, you're not reading anymore. Three weeks out, you don't even remember you went to church camp. You just remember how fun it was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude, I totally destroyed those people in, in Foursquare, right, or whatever. Which again, I mean, sometimes when I hear the you know kids that come back from it, that's what they tell me. They like, tell me those fun stories of the competition or whatever. Which again, I would be doing the same thing if I was in their shoes. And that's fun. That's not yes. a bad thing. No, it's that's not. a good thing to get them active and to get them out there. But we need them to come back and be like, look, this I not not that I was forced to do this or I, I emotionally decided to do it it was I actually heard something it changed me it made it it just shifted something in in my soul that's now made it so that I'm going to live for Christ in a way different way in the right way as opposed to what I was doing before and you know they need at these camps I would say the only thing I really really think that should be pushed is that they explain really explain and push there, there's nothing like this when you go home. You, it is up to you to continue the reading. It is mm-hmm. up to you to continue the leadership portion of it that you're learning here to help lead others to Christ, to win others to Christ, to, to read your Bible. Read your Bible, sit in the Word every single day, to go and f- you don't have to form a small group, but hey, you know, if you got friends that are around, the do- why don't you guys sit down on a Monday night and just sit there and read some and just kind of discuss whatever it is. Like the real world is not this world. This is a different yeah. world right here. It's way different from what you're going to see when you leave here. And maybe the, I just don't think they're prepared for it. Yeah. I think, and I want you to disagree with me. Okay. If, if, if well, not absolutely. <laughs> if I'm wrong. Absolutely. Uh, or just give me your perspective on this. But I think it, if 
if we want to, I'll say solve the issue that we're both pointing out, it starts in the home. Parents, I agree with that part. Parents yes. should definitely inform their kids and say, hey, just because everyone around you is crying and it's emotional and you're tired and everyone else is, you know, writing their sins on a piece of wood and throwing it into the fire or they're confessing something to a counselor, you don't have to make a decision. And if you think maybe I should make a decision, but I'm not sure, when you come home and sleep for a couple hours, come talk to me and I would be more than happy to help you through this one-on-one. I think it's the approachability of the parents. Remember, if you have more points, remember that. I'll go over this one right now. The approachability of your parents is huge. Parents, we have to be approachable. When your kid has done something wrong, I love my parents. I was scared to go tell them I did something mm-hmm. wrong. I and Jeremiah's parents listened to this podcast. So we're not going to talk about that. They're the loveliest people. And I was scared to talk to my parents about stuff. And that's the number one thing as a dad that I've told my wife is that my kids will never be scared to come to me. I don't care what it is. You will not be scared to come and say, I did this what is what do I need? What is your advice? What do I need to do? I'm sorry. Can you help me? And I, as a father, will sit down and talk to them. So it's the approachability of the kids. And yes, the parents need to tell the kids before they go to camp that there's going to be pressure situations. If you don't feel like you need to do something, you don't have to just because peer pressure, just because the church camp is still peer pressure. Mm-hmm. It's still not, I would not say a positive thing, even though you're peer pressuring someone to do Good, maybe. Well, if you can peer pressure someone to do good, but it's not about doing good, it's about continuing in righteousness. Right. Okay. So I would say that the the peer pressuring is you need to learn to not allow that to overtake you. If you feel real conviction, then go for it. Then do what you feel convicted mm-hmm. to do, obviously, which is what we need to teach our kids anyway. But this but not sitting there because I'm I'm tired and I'm emotional. Like you, if you can't decipher it, you know, it's okay. We'll talk about when you get home and we're not going to be mad about it. Like there's nothing you're going to do there that's going to make us mad about it. Come talk to us about it if you're confused, but you don't have to do it. Yeah. Anyway, what are the other points? Sorry. The, the other thing is I don't, when you have a situation where you want to get someone to make a decision about salvation, Obviously, you want pressure on that. You want that to be, this is a, you can get in a bus crash on your way home tomorrow and... Where are you going? Yeah. yeah. Not, not where you going on the bus. Yeah, where are you going? Salvation yeah. is urgent. You need to get that point across urgently. This is urgent. That's the only word I can think of to express it. It takes precedent over all else. So, as, as a speaker... That at, at that camp, I can understand you saying we need to you need to make a decision about this right now. That's why I, th- there's no way to attribute malice to this because the ultimate concern is for these people's salvation, yes. for these teenagers' salvation. So we can't outright have at the camps uh, the speaker on the first day take say, your time, take your time, you know, <laughs> or do the Rick Warren. Just give Jesus a sixty day trial. We'll see how it works out. It was you know, forty wasn't it? I was four days and nights. Doesn't matter. Uh, I had to read that book. Oh, I was forced by my church as a kid to read it. Wow. I did not read that book. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, good for you. But know. the uh, 
I do think that there is some room for counselors to make it clear that, hey, if, if, if you're a Christian, if you're saved, if you're professing Christ, and all these people around you are making decisions, then, you know, you can think about it. You can, you don't have to do something because everything, everyone else is doing something. I think in, in a smaller group, the counselor can address those topics in a more tactful and prudent way right without making it sound like hey you don't have to do anything while you're here just kind of sit back and enjoy it right i don't know how the counselor would say something like that but there is a way to the big thing is the the kids need to understand it yeah it's super urgent yes but they have to understand what is salvation yeah what it what did christ do for me do you believe it okay well so do so do the demons and they shudder, right? Yeah. But do you actually want, like, is your life going to now change where you're going to follow Christ? Do you understand the implications of following Christ? Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing is these kids go, I believe, but they don't really understand what it means to live for Christ. Mm-hmm. So they're just saying, I believe because it's the emotional response in the moment. It's the urgency and it's the understanding. You have to understand what it is yeah. when you become a Christian, what it is to ex- is it accepting Christ in your heart or is it just believing in Christ? I would say believing in Christ and what he did and how he died, rose again, defeated sin for all time. He's our Lord and Savior. We must live for him and we must build his church and take dominion over this earth. That's pretty good, right? That was a good bow. Was that a good bow? <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like a bow to me. You know what? Know. I'll take it. The, the, we'll take the, the word dominion is just absolutely fantastic that is a good word it's a good word anyway guys dominion hope you guys enjoyed this episode on church camps like i said it's the summer it's actually coming to an end can you believe that summer's already over you can listen to us on spotify (laughs) and apple Podcasts. check us out on instagram and the twitters yes instagram Instagram. for first off you're wrong all spelled out and then twitter Twitter is, is obnoxious it is at F underscore O underscore Y underscore W. And uh, Jeremiah promised us a new reel. I don't think he provided that yet. No, I well, I did a reel for the last episode. It's if you guys see something that you want a response to, then go ahead and if you see shoot something, to us. say something. Yeah, exactly. By leaving a comment, but uh, and we'll we'll see if we can get to them. It's difficult making those response videos because yes. I have to make sure that they are. I know. Exact. And, and at some point I need to do something. I just but you do too well at it. You, can, you can put your construction videos up. That'd be cool. Oh uh, the construction videos. Yeah. I'll just do my Luke's thoughts of the day. We'll figure it out. I don't know. Yeah. Do it do it do a live. Next <laughs> next week, God willing, we will be doing an episode with a special guest, and it will be on Pokemon. Gotta catch them all. Gotta catch them all. Pokemon. So we hope you guys will join us for that episode. And with that, remember, the biggest thing to take home today is, first off, you're wrong. Bye-bye.